0: Pastor Joe, and thank you for having me out at Moorayfield today. It's so nice to be here. I was saying at Redcliffe this morning that I don't often get to come out to like the location. So it's really nice to just see what's happening, see what God's doing across our church. You know, being in three locations, you don't always get to see the details of what's happening. And so I'm so excited to be here with you this morning. Um, If you don't know me, my name is Rachel. I look after our creative team here at Emerge and also organizing the church events like Easter coming up which is amazing and very exciting and you should be there also because it's a production that we've never done before. We've never done anything like this and uh, we had our first rehearsal on Thursday night for Easter and it was just amazing. Hello. Hey, there we are. As I was saying, we had our first rehearsal and it was just amazing already. The team has just brought such excellence and um, just such preparation and hunger to produce an excellent production that you will not be ashamed to bring your friends and family to. It's, it's going to be such good quality. Um, it's going to be engaging and creative and moving and fun and it's just going to be amazing. So you should be there if you can. Um, you know, earlier this year, uh, the first week of 2023, our senior pastors led us into the year with a week of prayer and fasting. And it was just an incredible start to the year. What better way to start a year than prayer and fasting and dedicating the year to God. But as we um, were doing this week of prayer and fasting, one of the prayer meetings that we led was on Encounter. And I was leading the prayer meeting. And, you know, I think we say the word Encounter a lot. And, I feel like it can get a bit dry in it, its understanding of what encounter is. Sometimes we can, you know, when you say those words over and over and they just kind of lose their meaning. Sometimes I think that can be around the word encounter. And so when we were leading this prayer meeting, when I was leading this prayer meeting and preparing, I was like, God, I feel like we just say the word encounter all the time. But what does it even mean? What does it even look like? What is it that you want us to understand about encounter. And I feel like the Holy Spirit gave me this complete like new understanding of the word encounter and this direction of encounter that I'd never thought of before. And it was just this dot points of things to pray for around encounter. And um, Pastor Mark asked me to take those dot points and put them into a message and share it with our church, which is why I'm here today. And I'm super excited to share it with you. And so what I have entitled this message this morning is called Expect the Unexpected. I want to pray and then we're going to jump into the word this morning. So would you close your eyes with me and let's pray. God, we thank you that you are already here in the room. You are... You already have so much prepared to do this morning. There is so much that you want to do in this place, in our lives and in our hearts. So God, I pray that we would have soft hearts ready to receive your word, ready to encounter you. God, I pray that through this message, you stir up our expectancy, stir up our hunger. Lord, that we wouldn't be polite in our pursuit of you, but we would just be desperate for more of your presence. We love you and we thank you in advance for what you're going to do here this morning. Morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, have you ever had those Sundays where you just kind of like come to church ready for like a nice morning? I This is me, so you can be unashamed to agree with me. Sometimes I feel like I'm, I come to church and I'm just like, ready for a nice day, you know, ready for some nice, wholesome time of worship. I love praise and worship. It's really easy for me to just enter in. So like one, the minute that first song starts, I'm like, "Woo, we're here. Yeah, God is worthy of praise. It's so easy for me to enter in. So sometimes I feel like I can just, you know, be ready for a nice time of praise and worship. I'm ready to just take notes and, you know, say amen, and then after the service, have a nice coffee, have a good chat to some friends, and then go home for like chicken and chips for lunch. Sometimes that's what my expectation of a Sunday morning is. (laughs) Yeah, I know, chicken and chips, man. Chips on bread, that's another one. It's a Sunday staple for me. Sometimes I'm just expecting a nice service. But have you ever had those Sundays where that's what you're expecting and then somewhere in the middle of worship, or somewhere at the altar call, the presence of God just comes upon you and all of a sudden you find yourself on the floor, crying uncontrollably, mascara if you're a lady, running down your eyes, everything within you is completely abandoned to the presence of God and you probably look crazy, but you're so in that moment that you just don't even care and everything's happening and it's you're getting this touch from God and it's amazing, but it's not quite what you expect that day. You were not prepared for that encounter. So many times this has happened to me, not just in church. There have been some moments in church where I'm like, I probably look so ridiculous right now, but whatever, it doesn't even matter. Like you're encountering the presence of God. It's also happened to me, even just like in my house, you know, sometimes you just have those moments where you're having your own, you know, personal time with God, your own time of worship and Something just happens and you have no way of explaining it. It's not what you expected, but you're just crying and God is touching you and you're having this amazing moment with God. You know, I like to think that I'm always coming expectant to meet with God. I like to think that I am, but I don't know if I'm always expecting God to meet with me, for God to encounter me. You know, those moments where God has met with me in church or at home by myself are ones that have really deeply changed me with my heart, my mind, my soul. The moments where maybe I wasn't quite expecting God to show up in that way, but he did. And it's interrupted my life with an encounter with him, with his presence. They've challenged me. They've corrected me. They've drawn me close to God's heart. They've sent me back out into the world around me. I believe those are the encounters that God wants to have, is longing to have with us. Now, I don't think he's just wanting us to come to a nice service, to have a nice time with him. I don't think he just wants us to show up and go through the motions. I think he wants us to expect encounter, to expect those unexpected interruptions in our life. God actually wants to encounter you. Did he know that? He actually wants to meet with you probably more than you actually realise you want to meet with him too. He wants to give you moment after moment, encounter after encounter in his presence that actually does a deep transformative work in your life to, to make you more like him. I believe that he wants to challenge our sinful habits our self-centered lives. He wants to draw us back to himself when we've wandered. He wants to fill us to overflowing with Holy Spirit boldness to go out into our world. You know, our encounters are not just for us. The encounters we have with God, they're not meant to just be nice for us and great and they change our life, but they never make an impact outside of our own personal life. The encounters that God gives us are to change us so that we can bring change to the world. He can work through us. And I really believe that God's moved by hunger and expectation that he wants us to wake up every single day expecting the unexpected encounters with him. Remembering that it's not just in church that we can encounter God. It's not just in this building. It's everywhere. It's anywhere, anywhere that we're hungry. Any moment that we are expecting God to show up, he can show up in our life. You know, the, the thought that's been amazing me through this, you know, preparation and thinking about encounter is that, it's actually God that wants to meet with us. You know, I, I want to meet with God. But even more than that, God wants to meet with us. God wants to meet with you. He has more planned and prepared for you than you could ever imagine. His plans for us are just incomprehensible. And he wants to do so much in your life, so much in your heart. He wants to bring transformation if We would allow him in if we would be hungry, if we would be expectant. And so, this morning, I want to share about some people in the Bible who had these unexpected, life changing encounters with God. And I want to unpack them and see and show you how God is still giving us these encounters today. And not just these encounters, but personal encounters, maybe even something that's not mentioned this morning, God can do in your life as well. He's still working today. He's still meeting with us. He still wants to meet with you. You know, we think that it's unexpected, these unexpected encounters, but to God, they're not random. To God, they're not unexpected. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you need. And he's ready to show up in your life at just the right moment. Because everything he does has purpose. You know, at the end of this message, we're going to open up this altar, this place, just to encounter God, to respond with expectation, to respond with hunger. So this morning, as we go through these encounters, we go through these people in the Bible, I encourage you to lean in, to get expectant. If you don't feel it, that's okay. Stir up your hunger anyway. Stir up your expectancy for God to move because He will respond to those who are hungry. Are you ready this morning? Awesome. Well, the first encounter that we are going to look into this morning is an encounter like Adam and Eve. You know, in Genesis, we're introduced to the first man and woman of the Bible, Adam and Eve. They're living in the Garden of Eden, perfect, whole, and one with Jesus. And we get a, we get a glimpse of life before sin, where intimacy with God, oneness with God, You know, sin separates us. Sin at that moment separated Adam and Eve from the presence of God, from being one with God. And the whole Bible is this redemption story of God restoring us to himself. Now, think about the verse in John 1 verse 12 that says, but to all who receive him, all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I just think it shows God's relationship with us. The relationship He wants to have with us. He's our Father. We are His children. You know, Christianity is not just about doing religious acts to tick a box. It's about relationship with God. It's about personal and intimate relationship with our Father. You know, here we are two and a half thousand years after Jesus died and was resurrected and God is still restoring people to Himself. For thousands of years, God has been drawing people back to relationship with him. That's his heart and his desire that we would be one with him. We need an encounter with God to transform our relationship with God from one of rules and regulations to one of relationship. You know, I find myself slipping into this so often, just thinking that I need to tick boxes or I need to do things because it would would make God proud or make God happy or make God pleased with me. But He actually just wants relationship. He actually just wants to know us. He wants everything that we do to be an overflow of just love for Him. It's through an encounter with Him that we can see how much He desires that relationship. You know, if you're feeling disconnected from God or distant from Him, there's nothing else that you need but an encounter with God to change that. There's nothing else that can restore closeness with God but just a moment with Him, face to face, seeing Him as our Father. You know, growing up, my dad... All through, especially like my teenage years and all the way through to now, would just take me out, you know, every now and then we would go to Donut King and we would get a cinnamon scroll, he would get a cappuccino with chocolate on top, I would get a flake shake, which is so good, and then I would also eat the like froth off the cappuccino of his and he was so gracious to let me do that. Or we would go out for ice cream and even just in the last few years we go out to coffee. He's made that time to have one-on-one time with me where we would just talk. We would just build a relationship. We would just, he would ask me what's going on in my life. He would just spend time being interested in the things that I was interested in. And I don't think if we did that, our relationship would be how it is now. I think without those one-on-one moments, just talking, being together, I feel like our relationship would be disconnected. Our relationship would be Awkward. And I think it's kind of the same with God without those one-on-one moments with Him. Of course, our relationship is awkward. Of course, our relationship is distant because we've had no time just to have personal one-on-one conversation with God, developing that relationship. It's that encounter with God that we need if that's where we find ourselves this morning. It's not about checking off a checklist. It's just about being with God just about knowing God and Him knowing you. If you're feeling tired of this Christian life routine, you know, the Message Bible says, if you're feeling weary and burnt out on religion, then what you need is an encounter with the living God to come and transform this relationship, to come and refresh this relationship that you have with Him from one of rules to one of relationship. He wants to draw you back to that personal relationship with himself. The next encounter that I want to share about this morning is an encounter like Moses. Let me give you a super brief overview, just in case you don't know the story of Moses. Moses is born, and at the time, the Pharaoh is ruling, and he makes this order to kill all the baby boys And Moses' mum, because she's a God-fearing, faith-filled woman, she puts him in a basket to save his life and sends it down the Nile River. And it ends up at the bank of Pharaoh's palace. And one of his servant girls picks up this basket, finds a baby in there and raises him in Pharaoh's household, an Israelite kid in an Egyptian household. You know, Moses grows up in this place and one day, Moses sees this these Egyptians hurting, harming another an Israelite man. You know, the Israelites were enslaved to the Egyptians. So I feel like this would be common. The Egyptians beating and, and bringing pain, inflicting pain upon this Israelite man. And Moses decides to take matters into his own hands and he murders this Egyptian that was uh beating up this Israelite and he buries his body this body of the Egyptian in the sand and who knows sand is probably not the best place to bury a body because when the wind blows the sand blows so it's not really going to like stay hidden for that long which is exactly what happened the body is revealed and it turns out there was an eyewitness to this murder who saw that it was Moses and Moses out of fear runs away to the desert and this is where we pick up the story he runs away to the desert where no one knows him No one can find him. No one can get revenge or get him in trouble. He can have a fresh start. Have you ever done this? Run away from the past? Run away from your mistakes? Run away from the things you've done wrong? Maybe it's, you know, run away from family, run away from a career or a job, or maybe you've run away from like a bad group of people that you used to be involved in. I know in small ways I've run away myself from the past. And it's in Moses' lowest place, in this place of hiding, this place of running away, filled with shame and guilt, that God comes to encounter Moses. In Exodus 3, we kind of get a brief overview of Moses at this point. Moses is out shepherding his sheep and he sees this burning bush, a bush that is on fire but not consumed, which you wouldn't see every day, so pretty unexpected. And God calls to Moses from the bush. So he goes over and God says to him that he's seen the affliction of his people, the Israelites in slavery, and he's come to deliver them from the Egyptians and send them to this promised land. In verse 10 to 11, God says to Moses, come and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children out of Iz- uh, children of Israel out of Egypt? Moses has this encounter with God at the burning bush, an encounter where God calls him. I imagine in this moment, Moses, God says, I'm sending you. And Moses is like, mm. you know, when someone's like waving at you and you're like, me or like, Is there someone behind me? I feel like that was Moses in this moment. He's like, are you sure me? Like, what? No. Like, are you sure? Do you know what I've done? Do you know my past? Do you know that I've murdered this guy? Do you know that there's probably people back there that hate me, that want me dead? It's exactly his response. Who am I to lead the people out of Egypt? But God knew exactly what he was doing. I believe at the moment that there are some people that might be hiding away because of shame and guilt, maybe fear the past your regrets. You're disqualifying yourself because you think that what you've done can't be redeemed. What you've done is too far gone. But it was one encounter, one moment. That God redeemed Moses' life and turned it around completely, gave him a new call, a real fresh start. That even when he thought he was too far gone, he couldn't be used by God. God was just getting started. You know, you might be at your lowest of lows right now. You might be in that place hiding, filled with fear, shame, guilt. You might think that you are too far gone, but I'm here to tell you today that Just like Moses, in one encounter with God, he can turn your entire life around. He can redeem the past. He can redeem the mistakes. He can wash away the guilt and the shame. He can give you a new purpose, a new start, a new direction. It's one encounter with God that can change it all. If you are hiding, running away because of the past, fear and shame, then it's time to come back to that place of encounter. It's time for an encounter with God where He can speak purpose and calling over your life, where He can wash away the past, give you a fresh start and show you that we serve a Redeemer. We serve a God that redeems and takes all of our broken, messy past, turns it around for His glory. You know, the next encounter I want to share around is an encounter like David. And we read in 1 Samuel chapter 16, this moment where David is anointed as king. It's beautiful and significant in his life. And it's where we learn this principle of the kingdom that even though man looks at the outward appearance, God is looking at our heart. You know what the worst part of this story is, though? Is only a few moments before this magnificent anointing, David has been forgotten about. Samuel the prophet rocks up at Jesse, David's father's house, just as God had commanded him to go, and he asks Jesse to bring out all his sons because God has chosen one of them to be king. So Jesse, David's father, brings out all his sons, lines them up, and Samuel goes along ready to anoint one of them as the next king, but God doesn't put his approval on any of them. Imagine being David right now. I picture David. I was saying this at Redcliffe. in my head, David's like under this giant tree with all these baby white lambs, like they're all like prancing around, (laughs) like it's so beautiful. They were probably like big brown, like dirty sheep, but in my head, they're like little pure white lambs. They're all like prancing around. David's got his little harp. He's like singing, like relaxing under the tree. That's what's happening in my head when I imagine this. David's out in the fields, not even realizing that he'd been forgotten about. First Samuel sixteen verse eleven. Samuel said to Jesse, "Are all your sons here?" And he said, "There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep." Just think how unimportant Jesse must have thought David's role as a shepherd was—that he wasn't even—he didn't even bother to identify him as one of his sons and call him in from the pastures. I can't imagine my dad, forgetting one of his children, just, you know, choosing to think of them as so like, "Mm, he doesn't matter. He's just out there. Like you couldn't, you couldn't pick him as king. Maybe you feel a bit like that today, a bit unseen, a bit forgotten, a bit left behind, You know, before David was anointed as king, we know he was a shepherd looking after this flock that was entrusted to him. And I'm sure that, you know, in these days of being a shepherd, he would have had good days, but I'm sure he also would have had bad days, just like we all do, thinking, this is a waste. Like, what am I still doing here? All these years, I'm just doing the same thing. I'm just a shepherd. This just seems so pointless. Maybe you feel like you're in that same routine, day in, day out, thinking, God, what am I doing here? Like, what are you even doing in my life? This just seems so pointless. But it was that season of life where God did his greatest work in David. God was preparing him. Maybe you're also in that place of preparation. We get a glimpse of this preparation in the next chapter right before David defeats Goliath. Chapter 17, verse 34 to 37 says, but David persisted, I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. These are lions and bears. Just think about that for a minute. David's pulling like baby sheep from his mouth. Scary. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears and I will do it again to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. So brave. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Everything that David had gone through up until this moment was God's divine preparation. Without the shepherd season, David never could have ended The king season. And you know, even after he was anointed as king, David went back out to the fields as a shepherd until his father sent him on an errand to his brothers right before he defeats Goliath. Even after his anointing as king, God still had preparation to do. If you are in a shepherd season right now, do not despise what God is doing. Don't miss out on this divine preparation. It's in this season that we still need God to meet with us. We still need encounter after encounter. We need to have conversation after conversation with God, where He refines our hearts and our character, where He strips away all of the things that are going to hinder us in the next season that He's taking us into. The shepherd season is so valuable. So if you find yourself here, don't waste a minute of it. Let God do all that he needs to do and use this time to have encounter after encounter with God. Let him refine you. Let him do his best work in your life. Let him prepare you because he knows what the king season is going to hold. He knows the next season of life that he's preparing you for. Don't waste a minute of the shepherd season. Let him come and encounter you there. You know, the next encounter is an encounter like Mary, the mother of Jesus, you know, a teenage girl whom the angel of the Lord appeared to, told her that she was going to carry the saviour of the world. You know, the thing I never thought about in this story was that Mary had a choice. Mary had a choice to obey God, even in the unknown, even when there was no other steps given. Or she could have said no. What would have happened if Mary had been like no? I, uh, that's too much. I can't do that. Uh, you need to go find someone else. What would have happened? What would the story have looked like if Mary had said no? Have you ever felt like God has asked you to do something that you were like, "Mm, no, I can't do that. Just like Moses. Um, no, that's too much. Like I can't handle this. That's too much for me. It's too scary, too big, too out there. Cause I definitely have. I'm sure everyone in this room at some point or another has felt like the call of God has been way too much for them to handle. Not only this, but I feel like Mary would have battled with the same thoughts that we do, that God didn't give her all the steps. God didn't lay out this perfect process that was going to happen. He didn't give her any other details. All he was asking of her was humility and simple obedience. No, we don't know the backstory, all the details of Mary's life, what it was like in her childhood, growing up. We don't get this whole story, and I often wonder why Mary. Like, she was just some girl. Like, was she just some girl? What what about Mary? Why did God choose Mary? And in Luke, there's a few statements that we read that I think give us some clues as to why it was Mary that was chosen. Luke 1 verse 38. Mary, when she responds to this calling, this weighty responsibility, her response is, "I am the Lord's servant." In Luke chapter one, verse 48, Mary is singing this joyful song about how she's the one chosen for this responsibility, And I just think that's amazing, that in the moment of such a heavy weight to carry, that Mary's rejoicing that she's the chosen one. And she says, he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. She says that God gives mercy to those who fear him, that he scatters those who are proud in their innermost thoughts, that he lifts up the humble, that he's filled the hungry. Can you see a bit of the theme happening here? Mary was a humble servant. That's who she saw herself as, God's humble servant. Mary lived a life of obedience to God, was hungry for him, and it was not just obedience, it was joyful obedience. You know, this year for some people in this room, God might come and present to you a calling, a responsibility that in the natural, you might feel unequipped for. You might feel it's too big, too much for you to handle. But can I tell you that all God desires from you is humility and simple obedience. He doesn't need you to work it all out. He doesn't need you to write a 10-year plan. He doesn't need you to map out every step that it's going to take for you to achieve this calling. All he wants is yes, a simple yes, from the place of knowing that we are his humble servants, that our life is not our own. You know, it's in this moment where God calls us and gives us this responsibility that we actually have the opportunity to be obedient the opportunity to be joyfully obedient, saying yes to God, knowing that his ways are greater than our ways, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Maybe you have even already felt God calling you to something, but out of fear and wanting to control and understand, you haven't even said that just simple obedient yes. You've just been trying to logically make it all work. And I personally think that the only way that we could be obedient to God when we have absolutely zero next steps is when we personally know who our God is, who we are serving, when we know God. And I believe that Mary lived this personal relationship with God. She wouldn't have been able to say a joyful, obedient yes like that without knowing and trusting her God And it's through an encounter an encounter and encounter every season of life where we are reminded and we get to know who this God is that we're serving. It builds trust. It builds a reliance on Him. It means that we can say an obedient yes because we know who it is that we're serving. It's in encounter where we see that it's our position as humble servants, where we see that our life's not our own where God reveals who we are in relation to this holy, magnificent, wonderful God. It's an encounter with God where we see who we're serving, why we're serving, and we actually get to respond with an obedient yes to His call. You know, the next encounter is an encounter like Paul. You know, this, this is the encounter with God that transforms our life through salvation. You know, before Paul, he was actually named Saul. Saul was a persecutor of Christians, a very, very passionate hater of Christians. He did everything that he could to pursue Christians and imprison them and beat them and torture them for their faith. But it was one moment, literally one encounter, on the road to go and find more Christians to persecute, that God stops him in his tracks. And completely transforms his life. Did you know, within a few days of this encounter that that Paul, the Saul, had with God, within a few days he was had a new name. He was named Paul. He was being discipled. He was like preaching within such a short time of this encounter because God had just got a hold of his life, completely redirected it. You know, there are so many people in the world around us that need that kind of encounter, a one-moment encounter with God. Maybe you're in the room this morning, you don't know Jesus, you don't know who the heck we're talking about, and you just want that. You want that moment with God. You need that moment with God, an unexpected encounter. Maybe you're in the room this morning and you are a Christian. Did you know that we need constant encounters with God to bring us back to that place of remembrance of our own salvation? Do you remember that moment? Do you remember the way that your heart pounded inside your chest? That moment where maybe uncontrollable tears just overflowed? Do you remember the moment you said yes to Jesus? There are so many people that need to encounter that moment. So many people that need to encounter God. We need those encounters even just to come back to that place of passion and desire for Jesus once again. When we think back to that moment, when we genuinely have a moment where we remember what it was like to say yes to Jesus, I don't know about you, but it stirs up this fresh passion and this fresh love for God again, this fresh desire to see people come to know Him we need to enter into that moment with God. Maybe you're in the room today. You're not a Christian. I just want to tell you that you're in the best place possible. You are in the best place this morning. God is calling your name. He has a purpose on your life. He wants to completely turn your life around for His glory. And He is waiting for you to come and encounter Him today. He so wants relationship with you. If you're here in the room and you are a Christian, you can have an encounter with God again that just stirs up that fresh first love, stirs up that desire for him again, that moment that you were changed completely. If you felt that fire in your heart grow dim this morning, it's just one encounter away from a fresh touch, the presence of God. Maybe I can get the band to come back and join me. You know, the last encounter is so similar to this Saul to Paul encounter. It's the encounter like the prodigal son. You know, we all know someone who was once walking with God who is no longer. Maybe you are that person this morning. You know what it's like to live on fire for Jesus, but maybe it's been snuffed out altogether. No matter what reason caused you to walk away, can I tell you that God still loves you? He still wants relationship with you. That's all he desires is for you to come back to himself. You know, sometimes I can personally fall into this thinking that God is tough and he's judgmental and he's about rules, which is so not right. Sometimes I think maybe he's like waiting to be angry, like he's angry with me or disappointed. Sometimes it's it's the kindness of God that is the unexpected encounter that we need. Where our expectation is judgment, where instead God is just offering mercy and grace to us. You know, the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15 is the picture of God and his love for his people. We read about this son who gets the inheritance from his father and instead of staying and being faithful, he goes off, squanders all his money on worldly living. He wastes it all, ends up with nothing and ends up getting a job as a pig feeder. And it says that he looks at the pellets that the pigs are eating and thinks that it looks good. So we know he was really at the lowest of low. But he comes to his senses and he decides I'm going to go home to my father and I'm just going to say, just let me be a servant in your household. Let me just be a servant in my father's house. That would be better than this. And in verse 20, it says, So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, kissed him. And the story continues and it reveals God's heart that he's delighted when his prodigal sons and daughters return. That he's actually waiting every day, waiting for one of his sons and daughters to come back. And when they do, he celebrates, he holds nothing back. You know, it doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter how far we've run away. God is waiting, even while we're still a long way off. He would run to embrace us and bring you home again. God is faithful even when we are unfaithful to Him. Just like the father in the story, He waits daily for the return of His prodigal sons and daughters. Maybe you've completely walked away from God, or maybe you feel like you're slightly drifting away. Can I tell you that it's just one encounter with Him that can draw you back, can bring you home again? And what you will encounter when you decide to take that step to come home is not judgment, is not anger, is not condemnation, but it's pure love and grace and forgiveness and celebration. He is filled with love and compassion toward you. If you need this encounter, if you want to come home, you can today. The Father's arms are open. He's just waiting for you to respond. No, church, we need encounter. Day after day, season after season, no matter how old we are, no matter how young we are, we need to encounter God over and over. There are different encounters we need at different times in our life. And God knows, even when we don't know what we need, God knows. And He is willing to come and meet with you. All He wants is an expectant heart, one that is ready to come towards Him. You know, there's always something God wants to do in our lives, always something He wants to speak to us, even more than we could ever imagine. He's always working. So this morning, I want to encourage you to just expect the unexpected. Expect God to move. Expect an encounter. We don't just have to live our lives in a nice way, just expecting a nice time of worship or a nice moment with God. We can actually expect God to meet with us because He's waiting. He's ready. So maybe you can all stand this morning.